0: Hello and get ready. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve Castle of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine, perfectly orchestrated destiny for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive his favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve.
1: The SS on the front of this Camaro and also the SS on the front of Jim's El Camino both mean the same thing. Chevrolet didn't realize it, but back in the 60s, they wanted to make sure that everybody in 2020 would understand that soul success was the way that you were going to muscle your way into the future. And so they put SS on the front of all of their grills and on the side placards so that you would know. It was like a preemptive thing. God sovereignly did it way back. <laughs> this is Soul Success, and I'm finishing today this series, which is good and bad. This I realize what the Lord is doing with today's specific message because it's going to transition us into... What he wants me to talk about next after this, which is the king and his kingdom, is going to be our next uh, round of communication. I think it is, um, I think it's a matter of life and death for us to understand the king and his kingdom. It was the message of Jesus Christ. If you... If you want to argue with me, that's fine. Go read through the Gospels. He didn't talk about um, heaven and hell very much at all. We do that because we have been influenced by denominations that think it's all about heaven and hell. Jesus didn't. He barely ever, ever, ever talked about heaven and hell. He talked about the kingdom. And we're transitioning into that, and I realized... As I was studying last night and today, I see some of the language already transitioning from what I'm going to talk about today into that. So I want to encourage you to definitely be a part of what we're going to be doing in the future with King and Kingdom, because this is going to lead us directly into there. Soul success is incredibly important because if you don't have a healthy soul, if you don't have a prosperous soul, it is very, very difficult for things to get into your life that the Father wants to do. I am flabbergasted on, on a regular occurrence with people even that I know that I'm, that I'm in relationship with, even the people that I've known for a long time, where I'm with them or I see things that are going on in their life and I'm like, oh my God, how did that get through the filter? And I, I don't think that some of us are either mature enough or aware enough or have somebody in our lives that could actually point stuff out. And I say that third one third because the reality is, is that most people don't have the humility for someone to tell them something that might be off. <laughs> and I make statements like that and then I usually get people after the service that come up to me and say, "Pastor, you can tell me anything." Yeah. First of all, that's a lie, and this is a church. Don't do that. Lie outside of here. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't lie. (laughs) Um, But just because you say it, don't make it true. If you really want to know, I'll be happy to tell you. If you promise to be humble enough to tell you. Which means take it because if I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it in love because I want to help you in your soul. If you don't want to know and you like the way it is and you're going to keep tracking the track that you're tracking, then that's fine. Do that. I've got no problem. We- you are free at Beloved Church. We, we stand on the principles of liberty in Christ. You can be free in Christ to do whatever you want to do to devastate your marriage, to devastate your finances, to devastate your children and devastate your future. And we will kiss your cheek every day while you do it. But at some point, if you want to U-turn that stuff, we'll kiss your cheek and hold your hand and we'll U-turn with you. But it takes a ton I mean a ton. I've been doing this a long time, y'all. It takes a ton of humility for someone to actually want to know. They think they want to know because they want the fruit. Like everybody wants a, wants a big, fat, warm piece of apple pie. Nobody, like, gets in the kitchen and says, Yes, I cannot wait to go through the process of baking a pie. If you do, you're probably lying again. (laughs) But you suffer through the process to have the benefit of what that process brings. And we can do this stuff in the natural. The amazing thing is is that some of these folks will literally (laughs) spend 40 plus hours a week going to a place that many of them hate. Doing something that they almost hate for a income that they don't like. Doing it for people that are on purpose mean to them. And then they'll come here and I want to give them soul success and they'll say, don't you dare talk to me about that. After 40 hours of torture, I'm trying to relieve torture, and people have been like, hey, you better shut up, or I will quit the church. (laughs) I'm like, okay, fine. It's amazing what we'll sacrifice for for money. I got two amens, that's all right. That's not bad. It's amazing the things that you will put yourself through, your mind, your body, your soul, the torture you will put yourself through for money. But God forbid somebody gives you a kingdom principle that would make you spend an extra ten minutes a day or an hour a week or something like that. And it is like, if you say that to me again, I will slash your tires, Pastor.
2: Okay?
1: Amen. I can assure you that if you would allow, humbly... These truths and these principles to get into you, and you would commit to them even equally that you commit to your full-time job, next year you won't recognize yourself. And neither will anybody around you. Or keep plugging along, because the world tells you, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, 40 years, get you a little pension, and then get you a White House with a picket fence, our white picket fence, and couple of kids and two point five dogs and and then retire while your body falls apart, you get sick, and eventually you die. The world is telling you that. I'm telling you the exact opposite, so you get to make a choice. You can go with their system or you can take the kingdom system. Third John verse two, there's only one chapter. It says, Beloved, that's you <laughs> I desire, I pray, I wish. And I've explained that word a ton. You can't pray someone into the things of God. You can't pray that God forces them into the things of God. All you can do is pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers across their path and you can be a witness. And we're all called to be a witness. So you need to go be a witness in people's lives. But this verse makes it clear that not only God but pure-hearted ministers' desire for the people that they have influence and contact with, that this is the greatest desire. Now, I want that to, to really resonate. Like, this is God's desire. And this is every pure-hearted minister's desire in your life. Is that you prosper. And that is money. Money. And God forbid you talk about money at the church. Again, you can work 40 hours a week for it, but don't say the word in the church. God wants you to have prosperity in your finances. A ton of you get stress, anxiety, pain, and even physical problems because of money if God had his way with your finances you would never have that happen again and also with your physical health sickness disease I'm going to be careful here because I've had a ton of people get mad at me for making these kind of statements. They're still true, but I'm not trying to make anybody mad. So if you don't like this, I I get that. That's fine. You can throw it out. Nobody has any requirement whatsoever to take everything I say as the gospel unless you come to me and I show you in the Scripture. Then you got issues. The Every sickness, every disease, and the aging process itself that eventually ends with death. Every bit of that is not from God. Whoa, that was like happy all at least nodding at me. <laughs> that was someone must be teaching this church pretty good. The Bible calls death an enemy. So at at whatever point people think that is like. It's still an enemy. Even if you get to 130 and you're, and you're healthy all the way through, and you, if you die, if you draw a last breath and you stop working, it's still, it's still an enemy. Sickness: Science will tell you that a sickness is something wrong in your body. And I I can't believe that I've had to, literally, I've had to argue with people, debate people, for decades. I've been doing this 25, however long, long time. Long time. Where I've had to literally walk away from conversations because I could not argue or debate somebody into believing that they should be healthy. And usually it's the same people that take a gazillion dollars in vitamins, and they got a medicine cabinet full of medicines that cost anywhere from a dollar a pill to a hundred dollars a pill. They go to doctors at three, four, five, six hundred dollars an hour, and therapists, and and they take health food this, and they eat that, and they do all they do all this stuff to be healthy. But I say that God wants them healthy, and they curse me and cast me out of their life. <laughs> comical and painful. God wants you healthier than your doctor does. And if you have a doctor, (laughs) uh, I'm going to leave that one. God wants you healthier than your doctor. God wants you healthier than I want you. And I can assure you, anybody in this room or out there, if I can and have access, I will physically come and lay hands on you, anoint you with oil, and expects the supernatural power of God to go into your body and relieve you from any symptom of any sickness or any dis Disease, dis- A disease is against the ease of your body functioning properly. The Father desires this. He desires this so much that part of the atonement was... Physically, Jesus getting ravaged by the cat of nine tails, by the knuckles, and by the abuse of Roman soldiers. And it's specifically for your health. That did not have to take place. Jesus could have went to a cross. Actually he could have just laid down and died. If it was just all about God dying on our behalf, he could have got you know, he could have went up on a hill and said, Okay, now watch everybody. <sighs> and just breathed out the spirit and died, and then three days later, like, ha <laughs> ha It could have gone that way. You have to think about why did it go the way it went? The stripes in his back, the Bible specifically tells us the stripes in his back was for our healing. The bruises on him was for internal bruising. The brokenness of his heart that made him sweat blood in the Garden of Gethsemane was for your broken heart. Every part of the atonement of Jesus Christ. That's why we are a finished work of the cross church. Because if it was important enough for him to bleed for it, it's important enough for us to believe for it. Now, am I condemning? Or making anybody shameful or guilty who's sick or has a symptom in their body. God, no. There's things that I'm believing for in my body. There's things I'm believing for in my finances.
2: Amen. Amen.
1: I could right now spend 500 grand. Right now. And not a penny would get into my life. There's a building right over there that I wished I could buy for 180 grand. we got a $230,000 mortgage on this blessing of a building and I hate it the Bible says that the borrower is servant to the lender I would love to write a check and pay this building off I'd love to write a check and buy that building because I got ten things I could do with it today if I had a chance so I'm believing God for more prosperity for financial breakthroughs in my life in your lives just so you know approximately around 9am every day I pray for all y'all and one of the things I pray for you is any hindrances whatsoever in your finances that is, that is stopping you from giving to every good work, as the Bible says that, that people who are changed by the kingdom operate, I am believing God that any hindrance, anything that is stopping you from manifesting the divine prosperity of God in your life, I'm praying against it, just so you know. I'm cursing that stuff. So if at 9.15 you get extra money come into your life, I'm not saying it's me because i know that the kingdom principle is give my job is to give to you out of my heart out of the the wisdom and the revelation that god gives you and then i know that when that happens and your guys' lives explode then you're going to give back
2: uh
1: pastor bob just quoted as scripture give and it shall be luke six thirty eight: give and it shall be given unto you pressed down shaken together shall men give into your bosom if you are believing for prosperity and you think that a, that a bird is going to fly by and drop a bag of gold in your lap, you don't know the Bible. The Bible says men give into your bosom. That means you need to be believing God for witty inventions. For unique ideas that people will pay for. To start businesses, to start corporations, because then God can work through an unlimited way if you have a job and you clock in and you clock out and they give you X number of dollars per hour. You will never be prosperous. Never. Because you're trading time for money. That is the world system. That's the world system. They came up with it. God didn't come up with that. God didn't tell Adam, hey, by the way, at about 8 a.m., I want you to clock in, start taking care of these trees. At the end of the day, maybe I'll give you some lunch. You do it good. That, this is the world system. The world system is clock in, trade time for money. Trade your life for money. Now, when I put it in that language, people are like, oh, yeah, I see. That's why I hate my job. Well, <laughs> we might get to that later. But that is the world system. God's system is he, he gives you ideas that generate or create wealth. Deuteronomy 8.18 says it is God who gives you the power to get, make, create wealth. And then He even tells you why. So that you may establish His covenant on the earth. So if you want to just get wealthy to get wealthy, you're in the wrong denomination. Right. That's not us. <laughs> We're not trying to get wealthy to get wealthy. We're trying to get wealthy because we want our Father's name to be famous everywhere we go. And we can go farther with a full tank of gas than we can with an eighth of a tank. And that's really what it boils down to. The more money you got, the more ability you got to do whatever it is that's in your heart. Money is a magnifier. If you have issues in you and money is added to you, you've just magnified your issues. I don't don't want to go too far in that, but money is a magnifier. If you are a person who is gracious, loving, and generous, and you add money to that person's life, they have the ability to be gracious, generous, and loving to more people. The way that this divine health and this divine prosperity is going to filter into manifestation. Physical, visual, taste, touch, smell, manifestation is by you allowing your soul to prosper. If you do not have a daily way to make sure that you are giving opportunity for your soul to prosper then you are on purpose restricting or constricting what God wants to do in your life. And I know that I just created a bunch of questions where people are going to be like, well, what's that look like? So give me the exact, can I please have a checklist, Pastor? It it doesn't work that way. I can tell you that you could put uh, Beloved Church's on on loop and it'll help. You can have a daily devotional that you, you specifically separate time for, and it's going to help. You have a daily quiet time, a time <clears throat> of stillness before the Lord, I'll guarantee that'll help. Amen. You spend time every day praying in tongues. <laughs> and I know some people are like, praying in tongues, what's that going to do? Oh my God, you have no idea. <laughs> It's the difference between running your car on gas and water. Uh, spending time fellowshipping Conan Ian with people who know some of the things that you don't know. There is a ton of ways. And the reason I'm not giving anybody a checklist is because if I give someone a checklist, you're going to turn it into a law and the law kills. Right. But the Spirit gives life. You need to go to the Father and find out what you need. And here's the other thing. It changes. Amen. It changes. It changes. Because there are times in your life that you have got to literally be a student and you need to sit down and you need to get other people's revelations and you need to devour it for hours a day because you are an imbecile. And then as you start to mature, you're going to go 50-50 like other people's revelations and sitting with the Lord and getting yours. And it only the Lord knows where you are. And then you're like, then you get all like hot on yourself, and in your head gets all swolled up. You're like, well, I got a ton of revelations. Maybe people want to hear what I got to say. And then some other preacher will come along and say something that completely peels your scalp back, and you're like, oh, I never even heard of that. And then you go back over here to like imbecile. And so now you got to read, 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 learn, learn, learn. It's this is a normal, awesome, healthy process. Learn. Reveal, operate in, you can't get one without the other, you have got to get information, but when you take information into the depths of you, that's when it turns into revelation, you cannot have revelation without information, but unless you have revelation, you will never have your destination you will never get to your destination without revelation and you'll never get revelation without information so you need to be import- it needs to be important for you to get the information about how the king and the kingdom works the nature of god the principles of of how the kingdom of god and the kingdom of heaven operate but if you're just gathering information you're going to turn into a librarian and nobody likes her
2: I like you need <laughs> If you're
1: a librarian in here, and ours Judy's different because she's not a librarian. She's actually an anointed minister of the gospel who just keeps the library. But until you get, man, I just stepped off in that one, didn't I? Until that information turns into revelation, it does nothing. It's just a head full of goo. And nobody likes someone coming up and thumping them with a Bible verse. But if you come up and you tell me a revelation that can change my life, I am all ears. I will sit crisscross applesauce right in front of you while you tell me everything you know. I promise you. And when that revelation dawns, revealing means dawning, light, able to be seen. When when you start to see these things, then you're like, oh, well, that's my path. Now I can see where I'm going. No light, no path. And this is what a a bunch of... And listen, I'm talking to Christians. I know this. (laughs) If I was talking to the world, this would be a different conversation. I'm talking to Christians. I'm telling you, I've seen this over and over and over. I can show you in the Bible that there is a ton of Christians that are doing circles for decades. And they think they're moving because they're doing Christian stuff. Well, I volunteer at the soup kitchen and I went to the outreach and I go to church, you know, almost every Sunday. And I give some money. And because they're doing Christian service things, they've soothed their conscience and they justify their place. And they're still doing circles, never actually getting anywhere. But because they're doing some things, they think that they're existing. That is not the life that God has for you. God doesn't want anybody like a dog looking for a place to sit on and take a nap. Circling itself, circling itself, circling itself, then it finally lays down. That is not who you were created to be. You are people of purpose. God has given you a compass, and it points towards true north. And that compass on the inside of you is the Holy Spirit. And He wants to take you into places that you are uncomfortable. If you are not uncomfortable every single day with your Father, then you have probably never really given Him an opportunity to do what He wants to do. Because why would He give you someone called the Comforter if you weren't uncomfortable? If every day, all day, you're pretty comfortable? you got things kind of sorted? you got them handled? That is just a slow death. That's a slow death. You're supposed to, we're supposed to be out there walking on water wondering what else we could walk on. I wonder if I could walk on that cloud. Jesus said, greater works than I can you do. If He can walk on water... I can walk. As you allow your soul to prosper, remember the soul is psyche. This is where psychology comes from. Sociology. These words come from the study or the (laughs) mucking around in your soul. A psychologist's job is to study your soul. The problem is, is that a psychologist of this world has no idea that you have a spirit. So all they're going to do is literally make you a mess. I have spent years ministering to some people that got jacked up by psychologists in just a few months. And I'm not damning psychologists. I'm not. Dear Lord, I am making a mess today. (laughs) If you are not born again... And you are a mess, which is by default. (laughs) You need a psychologist because your soul's a wreck. Everybody's soul's basically born a wreck because you grew up in this world. You were taught by your parents how to be a wreck, even your good parents. And if God forbid, if you grew up in a broken home or an addictive home or an abusive home or something like that, not only were you born a wreck... But then they on purpose took the wreck and made it as bad as they possibly could. Put it on fire and jammed it and did all kinds of crazy stuff to it. That's you. And then Jesus comes in and says, hey, I want to make everything new. And you say, praise God, because everything's a mess. And so then he moves in and makes everything new. And the next morning you wake up and you're like, well, man, I still feel like a jerk. Because you haven't allowed your soul to move into the new. And so people think that, well, I've said the prayer, I'm going to heaven, everything's okay, right? No, you're actually worse now. (laughs) What do you mean, Pastor? Before you were born again, your soul and your body were in perfect unity and congruency. When your soul said, hey, we're going to go fornicate, your body said, I'm ready. And if you were a teenage boy, you know what I'm talking about. And you went and did it, and you had a great time, and it was super awesome, and loved it. You get bored again, and your soul says, this Christian life's for the birds. We're going to go fornicate. Your body says, are we? And your soul says, yes, because that's what we do. We are fornicators, because the preacher said so. Right? Because in a lot of churches, we're still sinners. You don't even get born again. If you're still a sinner, you obviously are a fornicator. That's what sinners do. Sinners sin. Is this throwing anybody off? Sinners sin. When a preacher stands up here and says, You all are still sinners. And then tells you not to sin. Well, that's just stupid. And I, I'm not thinking of a single name. So before you think I'm judging other preachers, But to stand up here and tell a bunch of people that they're sinners and then tell them not to sin is like telling a bunch of righteous saints to go sin. It's contrary to your nature. If I was actually a good preacher and I knew all of y'all were sinners, I'd say, hey, go get your fill. (laughs) Sin all you can. It's like literally like Just go to the brink of death. Go as far down the pit as you possibly can, because hopefully at some point, maybe you'll get to your bottom and you'll look up and you'll need Jesus. So if I was really a good preacher and I thought everybody was a sinner, I would be handing out sin. I don't know how to do that, but I'd do that. So that you would get super, super, super wrecked and then I would preach to you the good news about Jesus Christ coming in and making you a new creation in Christ Jesus. I would want everybody to be born again and then you're no longer a sinner. Now you have a new nature from God and that new nature from God wants to live holy, righteous and just like it's Father. Because that's how your Father lives. Be ye holy for I am holy. So when we're... When we're first born again, our soul is saying, now hold on a minute, now we've got this other voice going on, which is the Spirit of God on the inside of you saying, hey, we used to be fornicators, and now we are righteous and pure. And your soul says, I don't feel very pure. Your spirit says, it doesn't matter what you feel like. I'm telling you, eternally, it's true, I can show you in the Word. Well, I just don't have time to read the Bible. And then your body says, Good, you know what we got time for? Fornicating. Let's do some of that. So then your soul says, Okay, we'll go do some of that. And the whole time your spirit's saying, That's not what you were created for. That's not who you are. That's who you were. That's not who you are. And then eventually, if you allow your spirit to minister to you long enough and you take the Word of God, your soul eventually is at some point is going to say, you know what? I actually think we're supposed to be righteous and holy and pure. And then your body says, okay. Because whatever your spirit and your soul, it's two against one. If your spirit and your soul says that we're going to live pure, your body says, okay. If your spirit and your soul says, hey, we're going to live divinely healthy because Jesus took stripes on His back. Your body's going to say, well, yeah, but we've had this ache for 20 years. Your spirit says, by his stripes, you are healed. Your soul says, yeah, what he said. Your body says, okay. Whatever they agree on, this happens. But if your body says, I feel terrible. And your soul says, yeah. (laughs) You can feel terrible. Your spirit saying, you don't have to! Shut up! <laughs> if, you, if your body screams loud enough and your soul agrees, you'll have whatever that is. That's right. But your spirit is all the time saying, by His stripes you are healed! That He took your brokenness. He was bruised for your soul issues. And your soul says... Even what happened to me when I was five? And your spirit says, it actually didn't even happen to you because you were born again. There was no five. You were born again. Whatever you think happened to you didn't actually happen because that person died. And now you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. There is no old person. You don't get to remember what happened to you at five because five doesn't exist. It was temporal. It's gone. It was someone else. Anybody ever watched a movie and you're like so into the movie that you're like, wow, oh, And you like are there. You like go there. You almost become one of the characters. You're like, man, this is, oh, I can't even like, reality is kind of like, oh. And then the movie ends and you walk out of the movie theater and you're like, where am I? Anybody ever had that? Okay. All of you have. You're just acting like really holy. You've been engaged in a movie. You're like so into it. You're like, you know what this person's going to say next. Or you know what they're going to think. Or you know what they're going to do. And, and you're, you're into it. You're into it. Okay, that's you when you were five. It wasn't really you. It was actually a movie that had an actor that played you. And then you got born again. And you get to see a movie. Your soul's going to show you a movie of what happened to somebody when they were five. And you're really engaged with it. You're like, man, I know what that feels like. I know how that goes, but your spirit's saying, we never did that. I know I'm losing some of you, but stay with me. If you're actually born again, see, we take these statements and we think like, yeah, we got it. I know I'm born again. So what does that mean? Born again. That means that you didn't exist. And then at some moment you were conceived and born and now you do exist which means everything before that moment didn't exist. (laughs) Okay, what happened to you when you were five is not going to heaven. The memory of it ain't going. You're the only one that gets to... God don't have that. You know, if you go to God and complain, God, you know what my uncle did to me when I was seven? That guy's terrible. God's like, what? What? What about when I did to you at 15 at youth camp? Yeah, but it was terrible when I was seven. Like, I don't even remember being seven. And for the fact that you're going to have something when you're seven affect the rest of your life, can I just say, like, that's really dumb. And that person, whoever did that terrible thing when you were seven, they obviously have more power over you than the father. They uh, didn't like that. <laughs> because the Father has been good to you your entire life. He has loved you. He has protected you. He has blessed you. He has made sure that you've had breath and food and water and loving people in your life all your life. The Father's done that. But five or six evil people have done evil things to you. And the connection that you have to the evil from the evil people is really more real than the connection that you have to the good who's done the good for all of your life. And that's the reality of this situation. Like We have got to understand, as born above, born again people, it's real. That's not just cool Christian language. That is for real. For real. You did not exist before. And your soul needs to catch up and say, that was day one, and we are going to be just like our Father. One of the things that Jesus shown us that was a character of these truths, and I'm going to skip Psalm 35 because I don't want everybody screaming right now because I kind of got you... (laughs) I got you on edge, and so I want to take advantage of that. I'm going to go to Romans chapter 13. I'm going to start at the top of Romans chapter 13, and I want you to hear because Jesus illustrated this incredibly important principle for us all to have. And this is going to be the one that transitions us into a revelation of king and kingdom into our next series. It starts off, let every soul... I could talk for an hour on those three words. I won't. But I'm going to say this starts off with let. Does anybody know who they're talking to? You. This isn't God, please let. This isn't preacher, please let. This is you. This is the minister writing to the born above. New creation in Christ Jesus, Son of God, Saint. This is you. You let. Never in your whole entire existence. Ever. Ever. Never, ever. Those are God words. Will you ever lose your choice? Free will. When you go to heaven, you don't lose that. You're already in heaven, but that's how people understand language. You don't get to some magical point then you don't have to worry about free will you will always be a son of God you will always be of the God kind and as a of the God kind kind you are always going to have to operate as God does which is he has a choice on how to do stuff but he does it best now I'll say this when we go into whatever the next thing is that there's going to be a ton less temptation for you to do stupid stuff. But you're still going to have to be on purpose about allowing. What you're learning to do with your soul right now is going to transition into eternity. You're not wasting time down here developing your soul into prosperity. You get to skip Bible college when everybody else has to go to Bible college when they first get to heaven. Hey, welcome here. Go sit down. You did a terrible job in your life (laughs) on learning the principles of the kingdom. And before I let you rule over this whole universe, you need to learn some stuff. Sit down. And then Abraham comes over. And if you think I'm joking, I'm not. If you remember, Elijah and Abraham came to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And they taught him... (laughs) I'm going to lose some, y'all. They taught him about his decease. It says in King James. I think that's Matthew 9. They taught him about his decease. They literally were talking to him about his atoning sacrifice, about the, the time he was going to be on the cross and about all those things that were going to happen in that time frame. He was being taught by Moses and Elijah. Luke 2.52 says that Jesus, God grew in nature and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus grew. I know that's messing with some people's doctrines too. I didn't write the Bible. So write God an email before you write me one. (laughs) Let every soul... Your spirit is the Spirit of God. Your spirit is the Spirit of Christ and is perfectly harmoniously in agreement with the Father. Perfectly. Perfectly. But your soul gets Jews. It either lets the influence of the Spirit, the mind of Christ, or the way you think, which is called flesh. Carnal. And the word carnal just means meat. As stripped of skin. Meat. So when you are carnally minded, it says in Romans chapter 8, basically the Bible is really cutesy calling you a meathead. And a bunch of us are meatheads. We do a ton of stuff that's all based upon what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. That is meat. God wants to do things that are based upon eternal, supernatural, powerful grace. And that is... Mind of Christ. And you get to choose. Mind of Christ or meathead? Mind of Christ, meathead. Mind of Christ, meathead. Your soul is that lever. If you choose mind of Christ, then the Spirit of God comes rushing in, and where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom and liberty. If you choose meathead, then the enemy says, how about that fornicating? Let every soul... Be subject. Submissive. I'm going to talk to you about submission. You see how it took like the whole series to get to this? Because I believe that you guys are prosperous enough in your soul for me to say the word submission. Which is a cuss word in most Christians' lives. Tell me to submit, I'll show you. Right? Right. Because people think that's cool. That's what people are shooting for in today's world. I ain't submitting to nobody. Right. I'm a free spirit. I do what I want to do. And then they do it to their husbands, and they wonder why their husbands are emasculated and broken. That was super quiet. <laughs> Let every soul be subject. The word subject is hooper, hoopo tasso. Hoopo means under. And Tasso means rank or arrangement. So let every soul come under the arrangement or the ranking that God has ordained for it to have. You know, son, Jesus said, It is you will never ever exceed the teaching of your master. But you can be like him. We're never going to be above the Father. We're never going to be above Jesus. We're never going to be above the Holy Spirit, but we can be like them. We will always be under. We will always be submitted. And if we don't understand this process in our soul, that God has people and systems that are above us, if we don't learn to submit in our soul in a proper and healthy way, it is going to filter into our relationship with God. And I can tell you, I deal with this a lot where I'm trying to help people understand that they're basically rebellious brats when it comes to God. Because they're rebellious brats when it comes to God's leadership in their lives. They're rebellious brats when it comes to the people that God's placed in their lives. And you can't just... If I, (laughs) this is the first time I wanted a clock to speed up.
2: (laughs) Come on, baby.
1: I can be done with this message and everybody will quit staring at me that way. Kay has a requirement to submit to me. And I say this, like, I know just saying that just made a bunch of people go, Ugh! He's one of those guys. It is so hard to filter through all the brokenness to find one thread of truth. Kay gets to submit to me. And the reason you're laughing is because you don't, you don't see the positivity of that. You know, it's free. When I submit to Jesus, you know how much freedom that creates in my life? And the reason that some of you are like, what are you talking about? is because you've never actually done it, and it's never actually created freedom in your life, and so you don't have any clue what I'm talking about. But when I submit to Jesus, completely submit to Jesus, you realize I'm submitting to the most powerful, loving, and capable person in the universe. And I say, hey, why don't you have your will instead of me have my will? And Jesus says, Okay, you ready for this? Probably not, but bring her on. Kay gets to submit to me. In areas. In a natural order of leadership in our home, she freely gets to submit to me. And because of it, there are things that Kay will never be anxious about, she will never stress about, and she will never have an altar for, because she has submitted those things to me, and given me the permission to lead those things. And if I am a godly man, I will, with all of my effort, do the best I can in those areas, so that she gets the benefit... Of the submission that she has given me that ushers in the Father's will to her life. Because she has allowed the Father's way instead of her way. Rebellion is you doing it your way. Well, I know there's healing in the Bible, but I got a doctor, and I got this medicine, and I got this, and, and, you know, that stupid preacher doesn't know what I've had for 28 years. I know, because there's no stories in the Bible of Jesus ever healing anybody that's had something for a long time. That's rebellion. Rebellion will sever the prosperity of your soul. If you rebel... At the principles of God, you don't realize it, but you rebel in all directions. Ryan is... not here. Where's Ryan? I love Ryan. Anyway, Ryan is worship leader. Ryan is the pastor of worship. He is anointed by God. Amen? Amen. Anointed by God to lead us through the Spirit of God. Based upon his gifts and abilities to lead us to a place that you don't want me to be in charge of. I used to be a worship leader. Ask Cindy and Stacy. It sucked. No, it sucked. I'm okay with it. It, it sucked. I wasn't, I'm not anointed to be worship. I just did it because we didn't have one and we had 20 people in the church. And, you know, my mom can't make fun of me. Kay won't make fun of me. My kids better not make fun of me. And so only like ten of them could make fun of me. So I could be worship leader and, and nobody make fun of me. So I almost felt like, yeah, we really hit it this time, didn't we, gang? They are like, yeah, we knocked it out of the park there, Steve. Ryan is worship pastor. He's literally, literally created by God. To do these things. I am drummer. In that time. My job. Is to 100% submit to his leadership. Wherever he goes. I go. If I don't. None of you guys will be in worship. Unless you are really super, super spiritual. Because if I'm playing one beat and he's on another song, yeah. or if he's releasing a prophetic word and I'm back there, puka, puka, puka. You guys are going to be like, what? What <laughs> What?" Ryan say? I don't know. Steve is drunk. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't completely 100% submit to what he's leading us into, you are not going to have, I'm not going to have, and Ryan's not going to have what the father has. Right. Yeah. I am the lead pastor of beloved church. I am the president of the board. I'm the founder. I'm whatever. If a paper has to be signed for something, I'm the guy. Right. If there's a doctrine to be to be held, understood, if that, like I get it that as as lead senior pastor guy that the, the, I am. Like, the buck stops here. And I am drummer in that time. And I am the lowest person on the worship team. Because I can promise you, it is literally my job to do everything I can to support the rest of this worship team and make sure that their gifts are accentuated. If I'm too loud when Cinderella's leading a song, I have just messed it up. If I'm too quiet when Ryan wants to drill in, I've messed it up. It is literally my job to be the most submissive and bottom of the entire team. I know how to submit with all of my heart to Ryan because I know what's in him. I know why. I know where we are going in unity. And it is a joy. To submit to Him in that moment. And what's amazing, and maybe you don't know, maybe you have experienced it, maybe you've seen, but what's amazing is that I can stand up and grab a microphone, and Ryan... Because there's no fight. And it's the same way in my marriage. When the Spirit of God tells her to do something, I can assure you, I know I'm going to do it with all my heart so we can submit to one another. She can submit to me. I can submit to her because there is so much beauty and power in that that most people don't understand. Today's world, it is literally the hip thing to do. To be Anarchist, rebellious, to attack police officers and people in leadership, to talk negatively about your boss? Well, that got quiet in a hurry right there. To spend all day long complaining about the political leaders? When the Scriptures specifically tell us to pray for them and not curse them? You are, you are unacceptable in any crowd if you're going to pray for and bless your political leaders, pray for and bless your boss, pray for and bless your pastor, Amen. and believe that the police and the military, like these are good people... That we need to listen to their instructions. You are one out of ten thousand. And there is no other way to experience this ability in your life. If you cannot do it in the natural, you cannot do it in the spiritual.
2: Can I say that?
1: I told you, this is... Like, in fear and trembling, I do this message, y'all. Because people say, well, Steve just wants everybody to submit to him. Like, the last thing I want is for all y'all to submit to me. And go out there and act a fool and wear a beloved shirt. Don't you dare. If you're going to act a fool, wear somebody else's church shirt. Tell them you got some other pastor. Don't go out there and act a fool, cuss folks out, cut people off on the road, talk bad about your boss, curse the political leaders, do all that kind of stuff, and then say, I'm your pastor. If you do... I'm coming after you. Because that ain't what you got up here. That's right. That's right. There are people in this room. Well I do this. Maybe. I know there's people out there on YouTube. That you have you have been asking God for answers to prayers for a long time. You are believing God for certain things in your life for a long time. And you are absolutely Confused as to why these things aren't coming and aren't manifesting in your life. And I will tell you right now, it's because you cannot submit. You cannot. If you cannot submit, that means you cannot submit. If you cannot submit, you cannot submit. If you cannot submit to man, if you cannot submit to the institutions and the leadership that God puts in your life, you cannot submit to God, who is the leader. If you cannot forgive your neighbor, if you can't forgive your spouse, dear Jesus, you think that you're going to be receiving forgiveness from God? You're going to walk around in a constant state of condemnation. I'm telling you, this is absolutely true. When Jesus said that... In the Lord's Prayer, if you remember at the end of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive our trespassers. I ain't half of y'all ever heard that. This is the first time you've heard that statement. Half the people in this room, this is the first time that you've heard that that's in there. And you've quoted this your entire life. Forgive us as we forgive. You know why that's in the Lord's Prayer? Because that's what happens, y'all. To the degree that you forgive, you're forgiven. It's not that God is not releasing opportunity for you to be forgiven. He's done everything there is to do for you to be forgiven. But if you reject giving forgiveness to your spouse or to your neighbor or to whatever, then by default you put up a shield of unforgiveness. And it goes all ways. If you will not love your neighbor, you cannot operate in the love of God. Not because God doesn't love you, but because you're rejecting love. If you reject love to your neighbor, you're rejecting love from your father. It's just that true. It's a principle that is absolutely perfectly scriptural. It says in 1 John chapter 5 that we love Him because He first loved us. And then He comes in and says, at the end of that chapter, it says, How can you love God who you've not seen and not love your neighbor who you have seen? It literally says it's impossible to do. If you are not loving your neighbor, you are not experiencing love from the Father. It's not because the Father's broken and He just decided to not love you, you jerk. It's because you're rejecting it. And so if you're rejecting submission and you think it's cool and you justify it, You know how many people I've had walk
2: in here?
1: (laughs) This is awesome. You know how many people I've had walk in here and they hear a couple, two, three, four messages and they're like, Pastor, like this is it. Like this is the stuff. God has told me to be in this church. And I smile. And then I find out the church that they came from because that's usually the next conversation. God has told me to be in this church. Let me tell you about the church I came out of. That pastor. I will bet ten dollars that at some point in mine and yours relationship that I'll be the next that pastor.
2: <laughs> Everybody's looking at me like
1: No you won't, we
2: love you. Okay.
1: Now if you if you've come from another church because of what what we're doing here and that this is the finished work of the cross and the Father specifically told you to be here and to learn these truths and allow them to affect your life and your heart God bless you you are welcome here but if you're here to stick a finger in the eye of your ex-pastor okay let me put this in the natural would anybody like to be the spouse of the person that just came out of a terrible divorce and they got married just to stick a finger in the eye of their ex raise your hand if you want to be that person Why would I want to be that pastor? If you're coming out of something, go get it right. (laughs) Go be healthy with them. And then come here and you can submit to this. This works in every area. Let every soul, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. And for all of you that think that you're the top of the totem pole... Yeah, there's higher powers. And God set them up. Believe it or not, right now, in this place, at this moment, I'm higher than you. <laughs> that, that is fingernails on a chalkboard for half this church. And I get it. I understand. Not higher than you, better than you. Not higher than you, more loved than you. Not higher than you, I got lightning in my fingertips and you don't higher than you in the fact that this is what I'm supposed to be doing and that's what you're supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be giving. You're supposed to be receiving. Right, right. The only way for that to happen is for water to flow downstream. I can't give you what I don't have. But, I can't give you what you won't receive. <laughs> this, the, I am in a higher place of authority and position in this moment right now at this time and if i was sitting right there and pastor bob was up there up here it switches i'm sheep he's shepherd i have no problem with that i believe one of the reasons that i have had some success in a lot of places of my life is because when i walk into a room i literally look for it who do i submit to in this room I literally do it. And a bunch of you have been in rooms with me where I've done it. Where I've walked into a room and I'm like, okay, now who do I need to submit in this, to in this room? Who can I serve in this room? Who can I help in this room? Because I know that that is the quickest way for the Father to pour out grace into my life. And a lot of people literally walk into a room looking to see who they can rule over. Alright, let me see if I'm the smartest guy. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. Definitely the smartest guy. So all i got to do is just talk a lot, and everybody will get irritated, and I'll rule the room. What you don't realize is that you have just dumped a big pile of steaming. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. The word powers is exuja. That means authority. It's the exact same word that Jesus used. He said, behold, I give unto you all power and all authority. So you have all authority. And then there's times in your life that someone else has an authority that you don't have. And the two-year-old on the inside of you wants to throw yourself on the floor of the Walmart and kick and scream until you get what you want. And a lot of people do that in their prayer life. And you can tell, the louder people get in their prayer life, the more likely they are to kick and scream on the floor of Walmart. The quieter you are, the more submitted you are. And by the way, your prayer time ain't to go to God and treat Him like Santa Claus, and you got your list. Whosoever therefore resists... The word resists means to set yourself in a military pose. Whosoever resists the powers, resists... The next verse says... (laughs) I got Deb all into the message. She's like, oh, we're moving verses. Uh, (laughs) Whosoever resists the powers, resists God who put those powers in place. This is going over like a lead balloon. I can feel it in the room. Like, can you please be done with this message? Verse (laughs) 2. Deborah, is (laughs) it froze? I know it's in there. I believe it. There it is. Whosoever therefore resists the power, resists the ordinance of God. I don't have time to go into all the examples, but your boss is in charge at your place of employment. And if you're a business owner, you own your own business, you're in charge. And you need to be in charge. Because I've met a ton of business owners who are not in charge and everybody's pushing them around and doing their own thing. And, they, and their businesses are flip-flopping all over the place. If you have a job, your boss is in charge. If you don't like your boss and you don't want them in charge, quit! But you do not have permission from heaven to be in rebellion. If you're in here, submit. And I'm not even talking about me. Ryan. Stacy giving a word. Cindy leading a song. Tab giving a a word of wisdom. A person coming up and doing... People that come to the, 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 the altar ministers that come up here that pray for you. Me or or Bob or guest minister that's up here ministering to you. Submit! Submit! Stop resisting everything all the time. It hasn't worked well for you. And it's not going to. And it's why the Father can't get things into your life because you're always quick to rebel against everything, everyone, and everywhere. Everywhere just stop it it is very unhealthy and it creates on the inside of you that stuff that limits the amount of people that are actually willing to be in your life and if you've watched people slowly get out of your life this could be one of the reasons you, when you resist the powers that God puts in your life you resist God no I don't I'd do anything God asked me to do oh really? go to church well I won't do that It's a pandemic, don't you know? I do. Hey, uh, how about you give something in the offering? Well, God, that's my subway money. Okay. Hey, how about you give that person your car? Do you know what you're asking me to do, God? Give someone my car? No, God has no clue why He's asking you to do that. It's not like He... You know, obviously God, he, he exists to make your life terrible. And so if He's telling you to give your car away, obviously He wants you to walk and be a beggarly and, and to testify about how God made you walk everywhere for five years and talk bad about Him and all the things that He's done to you. Or maybe he's got a fleet of cars that he wants to get into your life and he's waiting for you to open the door and submit to the way that he wants to do it. (sighs) Alright, I'm done. I've got a thousand more things to say on this subject. But the heart cannot receive more than your chapped rear end can endure. And I think I'm pushing the envelope right here. So I'm going to, I can go way deeper than I've gone. And I, just real quick, let me say this there is a difference between submission and obedience. If I tell Kay um, to go uh, buy me a bag of marijuana, that's she can submit to me and not obey me. If the government comes in here and says that I need to perform a homosexual wedding, I am completely, completely submitted to the government of the United States. I love this country. And I will not perform. I will be disobedient to the order. Obedience and submission are two different things. Yeah, obedience and submission. Obedience is an act. Submission is an attitude of the heart. Just put 1 Peter 5, 5 up. I won't preach on it. I just want to show you that what I'm saying is not... I'm not even lying to you. Like, this is how the kingdom works. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be submissive one to another. And be clothed, clothed like put on. What do you notice? What's the first thing you notice about someone when they walk up? What they're wearing. Right? Did everybody notice Cheryl's shoes? Yeah. <laughs> she could have not had pants on. People have been like, wow, look at the shoes on that guy. <laughs> I know.
2: <laughs>
1: Nobody cares about your pants. Look at those shoes. They're awesome. Her shoes are the same color as her face right now. <laughs> Be clothed With humility. Clothed with humility. When you walk up to somebody, the first thing they should say about you is, man, what a humble person. I found out five... Uh, days later that that guy that walked up to me, he was the corporate owner of this. He was, it was, he was the leader of Bob Lindquist Ministries, but this guy just walked in and he was serving stuff and he was helping and he was picking stuff up and he was sweeping things. And I found out five days later, he's the president of his own ministry. Be clothed with humility. So that the first thing people see about you is your humility because God actively fights again God sets himself in a military pose against the proud but heaps
2: grace
1: upon grace on the humble the way for you to have Barge loads of grace in your life Is to be as humble as you possibly can And submit to the things that God wants to do In your life And to the people that God has placed into your life And to the systems that God has placed into your life I know that's a cuss word It's a terrible thing to say in a church I get it But this will create a ton Of soul prosperity for you All right, I would like for the altar ministers to come up Please.
0: Thank you so much for sharing a few minutes with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of this precious, life-changing Word. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Pastor Steve Castle and Beloved Church, please visit us online at belovedchurchillinois.com or call us at eight one five. Nine nine zero zero three six seven. Always remember that you are part of the beloved family of God and beloved church is a place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life.
2: Beloved,
1: you who are greatly loved by the Father I pray, I desire above all things that you prosper and you experience divine health. To the degree that you allow that to saturate and prosper your soul. I pray that you receive these words and they change every aspect of your life. I love you. I'll see you again soon.